there. We're excited that you've joined us and that you're able to listen to this resource from Grace Presbyterian Church, Christchurch. We hope that it will be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord. Please let us know how this sermon encourages you in your faith. We'd love to connect with you and worship with you on Sundays at 10am. Please find more information about us online or in the link in our bio. Good morning everyone. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is John McGimsey, the pastor here at Grace. And this morning what we're doing is continuing on in a series we started in the book of Proverbs. So if you have a Bible or if you have an app, um, please open up to that um, book. If you're wondering where that is, go for about the centre. You know, you'll find um, Psalms, Proverbs. We're in Proverbs chapter 1 and we're going to read from verse 1 through verse 7. Last week we kicked off a series and called it uh, Living Skillfully. Proverbs is, is, is there to teach us about how to apply God's word in our day-to-day life. There's a certain amount of irony for me this morning uh, in teaching from Proverbs and teaching how to live skillfully because this morning I experienced the consequences of what was probably a foolish decision. Um, Yesterday I was down in Invercargill taking Chris Scarlett's wedding. For those of you who know uh, Chris Scarlett, he married Helena. And so I booked myself a flight to uh, come back this morning uh, without making a contingency plan if that flight would be delayed. And of course this morning the flight was delayed. And so, <laughs> and so I'm ringing up Josh and I'm saying, uh, what are we going to do Like, if I don't get there in time? So anyway, ironic you might say, but hey, the Proverbs take us to the gospel, don't they? They take our foolishness to Christ. And so I can stand in him today as much as anything. Last week we looked at how Proverbs is is really going to drive us deeper into that relationship with our Heavenly Father. Last week we looked at verse 1 and saw that, that the source of the, uh, at least the initial section in Proverbs, is Solomon. This week we're going to look at the purpose of wisdom and we're going to look at the audience of wisdom. Uh, we'll look at chap- uh, verses 2 through 6. I was going to do 7 and do the beginning of wisdom, but the sermon just got a bit big on me, so we will uh, do that next week. Anyway, let's read. These words together, and then we can pray. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction and understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Let's let's pray as we come before him, uh, before God and his word. Lord, we're so thankful to be here today. We're thankful for the opportunity to worship as a community called by you. We're so thankful for your word, Lord, how you have revealed your character, your glory, your ways, and in this case, Lord, your wisdom. 
We do simply pray or, or humbly pray, Lord, that we would just have hearts to hear and have the courage and commitment to apply these things in our lives. Be with us today, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Whenever I'm reading a non-fiction book, I will always read the introduction more carefully than any other chapter of the book. Why is that? Because I'm looking for the purpose statement. I'm looking for the statement that tells me, the sentence that tells me why this book has been written, why this book even exists, what was the motivation that the writer had in producing this document, you might like. If you go into Proverbs like that, looking for the purpose statement, we don't have to go far because the Writers give up their purpose statement in verses 2 and 3. Why was this written from a human perspective? To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. Here we see that Proverbs exists to prepare people's hearts and minds for a lifetime of living wisely, for a lifetime of living skillfully in the context of real life. Now when you hear that, you can't help but see the appeal of a book like this, especially as we emerge out of weeks that have, that have been dynamic, where we have experienced real-world dynamics that have been difficult, where we've had to make decisions, where we've even had difficulties. There's an appeal there, isn't there, to the idea that there would be a resource which helps us to make wise decisions in those situations. In verses 2 and 3, we see the first of three purposes, if you break these verses down, that the writers or the authors or the compilers have given us for putting this book together. The first is that we would know wisdom and instruction. Instruction here means more to become disciplined. It is, it is to discipline yourself in understanding. And so what they're really saying here is that this has been written that we might become disciplined in distinguishing between that which is wise and foolish and be able to apply that in our lives. It has been written so that we would be able to, in reading and assimilating the content, get better and better at choosing that which is right and just and fair in whatever context we are in. If we're presented with two options as we journey through life, and both of them seem okay on the surface, both of them seem morally acceptable, the hope is that wisdom that we would acquire as we journey through Proverbs would give us the, the ability to know which way to go in that context. It's helping us to be wise. It's helping us to function skillfully in that space where there is often that felt experience of grey. I just don't know. I just can't make a decision. They want to help us become more and more able to function in that space with wisdom they also have written this book so that we would understand words of insight. The second line of, or the second half of verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction 
and to understand words of insight. They want us to be able to know the insightful phrases and proverbs that we're going to encounter as we go through. But be able to do more than that. They want us to be able to understand them. See, it's one thing to hear a, a ditty or a phrase or, a, or an aspect of wisdom, isn't it? And it's even one thing to apply it in your lives. But it's another thing to be able to understand why it's true and how it works out in your day-to-day life. They want you to do more than just know and hear. They want you to understand. They want to bring you into the understanding of these words of insight in the same way that Jesus mentored people into the meaning of his parables, telling them and then discussing and explaining them. The writers of Proverbs want to welcome you and mentor you through these wise sayings, being able to understand them and then apply them in your life. In Proverbs 5.15, you're going to hear this phrase, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. It's kind of like, okay, cool. What does that mean? In Proverbs 10.15, you're going to hear this phrase, a rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. As we journey through, we're being introduced to some of these ideas which even initially seem so vague and hard to understand. But we're being introduced to these ideas and mentored through them so that we not only understand what they mean, but how we can apply them. That is what they want to do for us. They want us to help us understand these words of insight. They also want to prepare us, uh, as we see in verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. There when you see that word instruction again, think discipline, think become disciplined. They want to, to help us become disciplined in the art of dealing with others wisely. In this case, they see that as a synonym for dealing with others in a way that is right, in a way that is fair, and in a way that is even-handed. How many intelligent and knowledgeable people do you know who have shown themselves to be capable of foolishness or shown themselves to actually be fools in the way that they treat others? You've seen these people with head knowledge about all sorts of different things, but you see their life and the way that they apply things or apply the truth even in their lives, and and you realize that they're actually devious they're exploitative, and in many cases, they're just straight up unfair. The writers of Proverbs want to prevent that from happening in us. That we would be full of knowledge, but our lives are filled with unrighteousness, injustice, and a lack of equity. You know, when we hear of this idea of people, you know, operating in a devious and exploitative and unfair way, we are often quick to think of politicians, bankers, maybe monopoly-holding organizations, which in many cases is a fair observation. 
But I think what's worth asking when we see the, these words in context is a question more of our own hearts, which, which might go something like this. When you trade, when you buy, when you sell, when you do business, when you interact with others, relate to others in any other context, are you able to consider in your heart and in your mind not only how this will affect you, but the other person? When you are dealing with others, is there a consideration for them? Because that's what this is getting at. Are you able in those contexts to ask yourself, what can I profit from this? But also, what is right before God in this context? Are you able to ask yourself in those contexts, you know, what can I gain from this, but also how will this affect the other party? Am I as conscious of what others gain from our dealings, from our arrangements, as I am of, of, of myself? Am I able, in a word, to love my neighbour in my dealings with them? I think what we learn in this super condensed piece of wisdom in, in verse 3 is that the wise don't see business, work, commerce and relationships as only opportunities for personal benefit. They see them too as opportunities to honour God, to honour their neighbour, and to do that at the same time as asking, does this benefit me and my family? The reality when we unpack this and let it search our heart truly is we as we immediately realise that we have not been consistent in this area as we have dealt with others. We have not been consistently righteous, just and equitable, let alone doing this with joy in our heart. We all have those skeletons in our closet, those interactions that we would be mortified if others learned of us. What that tells us is we have much to learn from the book of Proverbs. We have much to learn from the wisdom of Christ who, who reminds us in Matthew 7, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the super condensed way of showing what the whole Old Testament is all about. Whatever you wish to do that others would do to you, do also to them. We have much to learn from Proverbs. We have much to learn from Christ's wisdom. We have much to learn from the gospel. These words cannot help but expose our foolishness to one degree or another. They expose our hearts. And if they let them again, they lead to that shame that we deserve. Jesus was the only man who treated people truly and perfectly in a way that was righteous, just and equitable. He deserved to be honoured. 
What does the gospel remind us? That on the cross he entered into our foolishness, suffered for our shame in a way that made it possible for us to enter into the honour he deserved. This is going to provoke in us a greater understanding and appreciation for the gospel because it's going to search us out. We might hide in our corner of self-preservation as we go through some of the phrases and teaching of Proverbs, but there are going to be occasions where we are cornered in our sin and foolishness and it is going to drive us to the cross. The writers of Proverbs have written this that we might know how to deal wisely, which is a synonym for dealing with people in righteousness, justice and equity. The purpose of Proverbs is to prepare people's hearts and minds for a lifetime of living wisely in the context of real life. And what we see as we examine this is that must be done in a context where we cling to the good news of the gospel because otherwise we will be utterly condemned. That is the purpose. Now let's look at the audience. The audience for the book of Proverbs is unpacked in verse 4 to 6. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The authors of Proverbs might have in, invented the modern marketing strategy of knowing your audience. Here we see they have three caricatured audience members that they are targeting, that they are going after. They know who they're after. They've articulated it and they're making it clear right from the start. They're going after three people. The simple would be the first one. The young would be the second one. And the wise would be the third one. Let's just unpack those a little bit. The simple. To give prudence to the simple. Who are the simple? The simple are those who are unhelpfully open-minded. These are the people who think every idea is a good one. These are the people who are like children in the lolly aisle of ideas. That looks good, and that looks good, and that looks good, and that looks good, and that looks good. Everything is a good idea. The simple are those who lack the prudence and shrewdness to that is required to discern the difference between a good idea and a bad idea. In Ephesians 4.14, Paul describes describes these people as children who are being tossed to and fro in the waves of ideas, bouncing back and forward from one to the other. The reason I have called the simple here unhelpfully open-minded is because I think it's a fitting definition but also because in one sense it is good to be open-minded 
It's good to be open-minded to the idea of God. It's good to be open-minded to the idea of the gospel. It's good to be open-minded to the idea of truth that we found in God, that we find in God. For some of us, we only began to realize that the Holy Spirit was at work in our hearts when we became more open-minded, when we accepted the truth about God and the gospel in his word. It is good to let the truth of the word challenge false beliefs that you hold in your mind and in your heart. It is good to let the wisdom of the community challenge your foolish ideas. In some ways, open-mindedness is a positive thing, but there is a sense in which it becomes a negative thing if it is taken to the extreme. Open-mindedness becomes, is taken to the extreme when we can't settle on those unchanging truths and nail them down as definitive and unchanging. These unchanging truths that exist in God, exist in his word, exist in his world, and even exist in wisdom. When it comes to truths like these, we bounce around like that, that ball in that game we used to play on our computers called Rebound. You know, two arms either side, and we're just the ball bouncing back and forward. Idea to idea, thinking everything is good. The writers of the book of Proverbs are going after the unhelpfully open-minded. They are going after the people they've described as simple And so in that sense, it gives us the space to ask ourselves, maybe quietly in our heart and maybe prayerfully later, does that sound like me? Am I just unable to settle on the definitive truths that we find in God's word? If you are keen to settle then Proverbs exists to help. Proverbs exists to give you the wise, steady, steady, settled convictions about the truths that we find in God's word. It exists not to help you settle on your chosen truth, but the truth that is revealed to us in God's word. The first audience member that the writers of Proverbs have in their mind is the simple. The second is the young, the youth. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. The second half of verse 4. Here they're thinking of people with a few less candles on the cake when the birthday time rolls around. The young Why are they eager to teach and pass on wisdom to the young? Because the young need more wisdom than they are wise enough to (laughs) realise. The young need more wisdom than they are wise enough to realise. If you are young, maybe under 20-ish, you might not feel young, you probably are still young. You're in this amazing time of life. (laughs) You've become independent-ish. You're starting to make decisions on your own. 
Mum and dad aren't there making those decisions for you anymore. And that is a good and positive thing. What the writers of Proverbs want you to see, though, is that those decisions are far more consequential than you probably realise. It's like, awesome. I can go A or B, it's up to me. They want you to see that, that, that there is consequence in the decision to go left or right. For example, if you decide as a young person to study diligently, to honour God in your work, to honour your parents, to get involved in community, and to establish routines of prayer and Bible study, that will probably or that will definitely affect your life in the long run positively. Conversely, if you decide in your youthful independence to check out of your classes, to reject your parents, to dismiss God's word, to get drunk when occasion arises, to take that substance when friends compel, to watch that content that you shouldn't be watching and know is probably not good for you, if you drive when you shouldn't, if you make those decisions, albeit appearing like small decisions at the time, they have consequences that have, that, that there is, there is, those are decisions that will affect your life in the long run. And they will not be good affects. They will be negative consequences. When I was younger, I played rugby. You know, rah. Community in the South, identity in the South, fun, adventure, excitement. I played every year since when I was, you know, five or six. But there was one season in my early 20s where I had really badly injured ankles, both of them coincidentally, which happened to be a terrible thing when you're a farmer walking across undulating ground all over the show. But anyway, that's incidental. What I realised in that season was that I could survive almost a full game of rugby if I strapped it to pieces. I shouldn't have been playing. I should have let my ankles rehab, but that meant in my mind taking a whole season off, a whole season away from the adventure, the community, the identity and everything else. So I played through the injury. At the moment it seemed like a good idea because I could still be there, I could still contribute, I could still have that enjoyment, I could still have that fun. But every game... Three quarters of the way through the game, injury provoked again, damage again, 
limping, hobbling off. What I realized in the long run is that making that decision in the moment, though it felt like a, a good idea at the time because it gave me all those things that I wanted, was a decision of utter foolishness. It took t- close to a decade after that year for my ankles to properly rehabilitate. And I'd be walking across the ground and I'd, I'd twist my ankle on a piece of paper and it would just be over she goes. It was a foolish decision that I made when I was young that affected me for close to a decade. And that's a novel example but it is an example of how we often work things out when we're young. We make decisions in the moment that we think are good without having the ability and the maturity to forecast how it will affect us in the future. Proverbs wants us to see that we are making countless decisions like that, especially when we're young that set us on a trajectory towards A or B. And the more we make decisions, the wider the gap gets between what is wise and what is foolish. They want us to see that we're making decisions that are even more consequential than playing through an injury. They want to pick up some extremely provocative subjects that are extremely important. They want to talk about sex, gasp. They want to talk about relationships, They want to talk about money. It's like, what? Get out of it. They want to talk about our career, our work. They want us to talk about God and the gospel and church and think about how we're making decisions around that. They want to provoke because they're the real situations in which we're making these important decisions. And they want to help us make decisions around those topics that are beyond the scope of our own wisdom. Do you see that? They want to help us as empathetic, encouraging sages make us, help us make decisions that are beyond the scope of our own wisdom on those incredibly consequential topics that make up our everyday life. And so my plea to you as we journey through Proverbs is be ready to listen. Acknowledge, especially if you are young or even young of heart, that there are people who know better than me, who have traveled down the road further than me, who are looking back and able to say, that is not a good idea. Be ready to listen. Do more than that. Search it out. There is gold in these pages, in this book. There are things in here that will help shape your life.